Americans are living in survival mode, mentally. Many Americans have reached such a high point of busyness, anxiety, or stress that they struggle to make it through each day mentally. This is causing not only a mental health crisis, but an economic crisis, as many people suffering from burnout choose to resign from their place of employment. Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese, and in today's episode, we'll learn about how to extinguish burnout and rekindle passion and purpose within our work, not only for you, but for those that work with and for you. The problem. Chances are you know a lot of people that are dissatisfied with their job and maybe even looking for a new one as we speak. We have now entered a time that is coming to be known as the Great Resignation, where millions of people are leaving their current jobs. This Great Resignation is causing major employee staffing shortages everywhere, from your local grocery stores and restaurants to schools, hospitals, and business offices. In short, Americans are burned out, and it is now leaving organizations and businesses short-staffed. Whether you're experiencing the pain of the great resignation as the boss that hires or as the employee that's ready to leave, in today's podcast, we'll discuss how to extinguish burnout and rekindle passion and purpose within our work, not only for you, but for those that you work with and for you. Why are Americans so burned out anyway? Americans are living in survival mode. Not necessarily physical survival mode, nor financial survival mode. Although this can change at any moment due to the price of goods and services with the current inflation and possible breakout of war, as to the point of recording this podcast. But Americans are definitely living in survival mode mentally. Many Americans have reached such a high point of busyness, anxiety, or stress that they struggle to make it through each day mentally. This is causing not only a mental health crisis, but an economic crisis as people suffering from burnout choose to resign from their place of employment. Before we do a deep dive into the cause of burnout and what we can do to extinguish it, let's take a moment to reflect on what has led us up to this point. Never before in the history of man have we seen such busyness in people. Now, we have the ability to join so many organizations, teams, and activities. We are literally running ourselves ragged going to and from all of these events. Not only are we more busy as a society than ever before, but we're more stressed mentally than ever before. We are constantly connected to our work as well as reminders of our social status or lack of it via social media. And our jobs have us competing in or dealing with global markets. So let me explain what stress is. Stress is our body's emotional and physical reaction to an unresolved problem or demand and is ultimately caused by lacking the time, know-how, and or resources to solve that problem or demand. And stress takes its toll on us physically, emotionally, 
mentally and spiritually as we begin the slippery slope from stress to exhaustion to burnout. Okay, but now stress has always been around. So let's let's think about this. It's not a new existence. Think about the farmer and the crops, right? The farmer who prayed for rain. Stress has always been around. But we are even more stressed as a society, and this is even a problem before the pandemic. According to the American Institute of Stress, there are some worrying statistics about workplace stress in America. Back in 2019, 83% of U.S. workers suffer from work-related stress. 55% of Americans say they're stressed during the day. 57% of those feel paralyzed by stress. And 63% of the U.S. workforce are ready to quit their jobs due to stress. 63% are ready to quit. Our stress is not going down. It's going up. And people are leaving their jobs because of it. Now, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, in 2021, it consistently saw increases in the percentage of workers that quit their jobs with a series high of 4.5 million in November 2021. The Harvard Business Review even published an article by Ian Cook. He's a consultant on leadership and the use of people analytics, where he and his team looked at what groups were behind what became deemed as the Great Resignation, and they found two trends. First, resignation rates were the highest among mid-career employees. That's employees between the ages of 30 to 45 years of age. The second trend was that resignations were highest in the tech and healthcare industries. Okay, pandemic, healthcare, that makes sense. Now, with myself being a previous educator, I have to mention the crisis in education. There is a great concern that the number of resignations among educators is rising at a rate in which it can paralyze. Did you hear me? Paralyze our education system. As reported by NBC News, they dug further into the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, which reported that the number of local education employees decreased by more than 200,000 teachers between July of 2021 and November of 2021. This is while school is already in session. People are quitting in the middle of the school year, and those staff shortages are a major issue for public education. NBC then polled administrators, and the administrators categorized their staff shortages as very severe. That was 15% of them said that they had very severe staff shortages. 25% said that their staff shortages were severe, and 37% said that it was moderate. That's a lot of stress for a public education system. Now, again, stress is not new to humankind, but there is a great shift in how Americans work these days. No longer are the majority of Americans putting their hands to the plow in a field. Most work is no longer physical, but mental. And because of the times we live in, the toll of constant mental toil and stress is wearing down our mental health. So for example, With the creation of email and smartphones, people are always available to the demands and the problems of their work. They tend to check their work email at all hours of the day, including nights and weekends, and even on their vacation. People reach out with a, air quote, short text with a, air quote, quick question, which is never really quick. And it can spark a whole downward spiral of thoughts and problem solving in our own minds that can last hours. 
Then we check or even binge social media that keeps us constantly updated with the social status of how we aren't living the good life like the people we follow or how many few likes, loves, or laughs we get on our own posts. But wait, there's more. I feel like an infomercial. And then there's access to the world. With technology, engaging with a global community and market has never been easier. It sounds like a good thing, right? But everyone's job is probably now affected by the global markets. From the auto industry with computer chips, to grocery store shelves being out of stock of your favorite brands, and how oil and gasoline always ride the waves of international conflict. Y'all, I filled up my gas tank today and I drive a minivan and it was $60. And I live in the South, so I have a, a cheaper thing. I can't imagine what they're paying in California. We are all feeling the pressure of what is happening, not just in our community and our country, but around the world. So you and the people that work with and for you are probably in a funk mentally. And that funk can range from normal bouts of stress to true burnout to serious mental health issues. Now, I've already discussed what stress is. Let's talk about burnout. Burnout is not normal. Burnout is stress on steroids, if you will. But since burnout has kind of become a buzzword recently and it can often be misused, I want to make sure that we fully understand what burnout is. Burnout is different from just being tired or frustrated or even stressed about a specific situation. So for example, there are a lot of working professionals that are stressed and frustrated with their jobs. A lot. But not all professionals are experiencing burnout. There are a lot of teachers stressed and frustrated with education. A lot. But not all educators are experiencing burnout. And there are a lot of healthcare workers stressed and frustrated with the handling of the pandemic. Again, a lot. But not all healthcare workers are experiencing burnout. So, what is burnout? Burnout is the depletion of mental and physical health due to prolonged periods of stress. So, some symptoms may include having trouble sleeping, continued physical exhaustion an inability to focus, no energy to handle situations, developing doubt about self-confidence, becoming cynical and overly critical, having no desire to engage with others, increased anxiety, developing unexplained physical ailments, and sadly, using drugs or alcohol to feel better or to cope. Stress ebbs and flows based upon the situation, the project, or maybe even the season you're working through. Burnout lingers, and it settles in almost like a cloud of depression and sickness. And those struggling with burnout have a mental state of, I can't even, when it comes to not only their work, but even their life outside of work. It affects everything. So whether it's stress, burnout, or something else, one thing is definitely clear. America is experiencing a mental health crisis. The number of people suffering from extreme stress, anxiety, and burnout to more serious health issues like depression, bipolar disorder, and suicide ideation is increasing. Yet, and sadly, the access to mental health care is difficult to find and very, very difficult to afford. So let's recap the problem. The average American workplace has reached such a pinnacle point of stress 
and its employees are sliding down the slippery slope to burnout and mental health issues. They are leaving their places of employment, and it's mostly not because of their salaries, but their mental state of stress and burnout. Ugh. Just listening to all of this is probably even making you and me feel a little depressed right now. But don't worry, there's always hope. But if we hope to solve the problem of burnout, first, we have to dig deeper to finding the root cause of burnout within you and within me and our employees. Now, only then when we find the root cause can we truly extinguish burnout and rekindle the passion and purpose within our workplace. So while there may be many causes of burnout today, we're going to talk about four specifically, and then we'll talk about what we can do to extinguish those four causes of burnout. Okay, root cause number one, unmet expectations. Have you ever been in the market for a house and heard the phrase that it's a buyer's or a seller's market, meaning one side has the advantage to make a profit or save money over the other? Well, in today's employment market, it's the employee, not the employer, who has the leg up. With the major growth of a virtual workforce and a shortage of employees willing to work, employers are now competing (laughs) not only with the whole nation, but the world for employees. Long gone are the days of legacy employees that stay with the company for 30 years. It's an employee's market where they have more options to choose an employer. And employees are willing to move towns and change jobs for better opportunities. And employees have certain expectations of their new employer. If those expectations aren't met, they have no problem leaving the company for newer and better opportunities. So, for example, what do employees want from their workplace? Well, a quick and easy answer would be a great salary to live off of. But ultimately, most employees want more than just a great salary. They want to make a positive difference because of their work. People naturally have a tendency to want to do something that aligns with their purpose, with their passion, and it doesn't invade the time or health of their home lives. They want flexibility within their jobs on when and where they work. They want to work under leadership that inspires and protects, inspires their work, and protects their ability to do their work. And yes, of course, they still want to earn that great salary. But what ends up happening most of the time is that most people take a job that has amazing potential to develop their passion and purpose, but ends up creating extreme stress and making them feel like nothing more than a cog in a machine. They develop stress because the job ends up demanding more than their time, know-how, or resources will allow them to accomplish. And stress that makes them feel like a constant failure in living up to their own expectations of themselves, in addition to, you know, your expectations of them. Now, I'm going to say something that I really want you to hear. People don't naturally want to suck at their jobs. Most employees don't come to work and think, you know what? I can't wait to suck at my job today. (laughs) They don't do that. No, they want to look forward to coming to work and feeling accomplished in their tasks. They want to thrive and grow within a positive environment and make a difference. But with the stress continuing to pile on with no end in sight, they end up feeling like a cog in a machine. Nobody cares about them. Nobody's trying to help them. So why? Why are they feeling this way? Well, I think it's because when they question the current system or they have ideas to make it better to alleviate their stress, 
They're met with responses like, uh, we can't do that, or that's just the way it is. Statements like these send a huge message to the employee that they are not empowered to make a positive change within their jobs, and that they are seen, in fact, as a cog, not a person. Without the possibility of making a positive impact, an employee's desire to continue the work takes a deep, deep nosedive, and they start looking for a new place of employment. So if having unmet expectations is root cause number one, what's the solution? (laughs) In my opinion, for the love of all things good in leadership, have open conversations with people about their real problems. Okay, so let's talk about this scenario in two different ways. First, you're the one that is having the unmet expectations. You expected so much from your current job and you're not getting it. All right. So if you are the one struggling with your current job because you're, let's say, overworked or you don't feel valued, then you need to have a candid conversation about the problem with your boss. People cannot, listen, people cannot fix problems if they don't know the problems exist. It is okay to have the conversation about the current demands of the workload versus the resources allotted. Um, But you also need to make sure that you bring something to the table. So bring facts, bring data together to support your argument. If it's not necessarily the work, you know, the workload, but maybe the feeling of not being valued, still be open and honest about that too. But also bring ideas to the table of how your boss or the company can focus more on the employees to make you and your colleagues feel valued. All right, now we're going to shift. If you're the boss in this situation, I'm going to tell you the same thing. For the love of all things good in leadership, have open conversations with people about the real problems. But in this case, you need to seek out your employees. You need to have candid conversations about what their expectations were for the job and where they feel the gaps are. But you as a leader better make that environment emotionally safe to share the truth. Because without safety, (laughs) you're just the emperor that had no clothes and nobody's gonna be willing to tell you the truth. So first, make it safe. Then be vulnerable and honest. So for example, you could say, I know this year has been harder than we anticipated. I know I have struggled with my workload and stress levels. Would you mind sharing with me your experience so we can begin to reflect on and make changes in our work? You shared that you were vulnerable in that moment and you're struggling too. That makes them feel safe. Now, after asking the question, you better shut up. (laughs) Don't speak again unless you need to prompt them to tell you more like, uh, can you elaborate on that? People want to be seen and heard. So see them and listen to them. Now, once you listen, you better take action. If you talk big and then take no action, you are personally responsible for eroding everyone's trust in you. Let me give you an example of doing this in my previous job. When the education system had to go blended with in-person and virtual learning, the stress of every educator, especially teachers, was through the roof. But we as a profession could not control the mandated fact that we now had to work within two platforms of learning. That is a hard ask for teachers, no matter how you frame it. Now, with the great buildup of of anxiety among our staff, we held town hall meetings with the most real and candid conversations I have ever, 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 ever had the privilege to be a part of. Teachers shared every concern, every obstacle, every complaint, 
they just word vomited. And I was like, let me hold your hair and hold the, the trash basket while you just word vomit all the stress of education right now because it's true. But you know what? After they got that out, they gave some of the absolutely most amazing ideas on how to fix some issues, some big issues. So by the end of the day, we as a school immediately changed what we could. Now for the harder problems, you know, where you have to take it up the ladder, we said, you know what, let's ask. And then we communicated back to the teachers what the answer was. And now for those state mandates that we were required to do, we had no choice over, we could not control. We just worked to simplify the processes as much as we could to stay legal, but then ease the workload. So now in thinking about what leads to burnout or prolonged stress, you know, that has people leaving their jobs, one cause is constant disappointment of unmet expectations. The solution, though, is to have candid conversations with the stakeholders, you know, the employees involved, so that those expectations are actually verbalized. Then you work towards meeting the expectations that you actually have power over. You ask about those that require the up the ladder approval, and then you explain or you simplify those that you have no control over. It is absolutely amazing what just having an honest and vulnerable conversation will do for the mind and heart of every person. Let's look at root cause number two, a negative work culture. There is negativity settling all around our workplaces, and it's spreading like a virus. In his book, The Energy Bus, John Gordon says, quote, everything is energy. It is found in our thoughts, the words we say, the music we listen to, and the people who we surround ourselves with, end quote. In his very, very easy, easy to read leadership fable, Gordon goes on to talk about how negativity will not only kill productivity, but it's going to kill companies too. He says that, again, quote, self-doubt, fear, hopelessness, and negative energy drain you and sabotage everything you want in life and all the success you desire, end quote. When negativity becomes the main feeling within your organization, it will continue to spread until it settles into the fabric of your culture, just like that personal cloud of anxiety or depression we talked about. Employees will begin to lose hope that their situation within the organization will change for the better. And when hope is lost, y'all, apathy takes its place. Now, I absolutely love the Peter Drucker quote that says, culture eats strategy for breakfast because it's so true. So often, companies and organizations focus on a new strategy or framework that's going to solve all the problems, <laughs> but they never address the heart of the issue, company culture. In other words, when you often treat the symptoms but not the real issue, you actually don't solve the problem. You just put a Band-Aid on something that needs corrective surgery. So when you focus on the strategy alone and not the heart of the culture, real change is never going to be made. No matter how amazing or well-researched your strategy is, the culture will always overpower it every time. And the attitude's going to be, this too shall pass. <laughs> Just ask any uh, a person who's, who is a legacy employee. They'll say, oh, this too shall pass. Now, for companies and even specific areas of professionalism and employment like education or healthcare, 
It is imperative that leaders look at the culture of the organization and address the heart of the issue. What is causing the ingrained negative culture and apathy? What has caused the employees to lose their why behind their what? So if negative culture can be the cause of burnout and cause people to leave their jobs, what's the solution? Now, to really tap into this, you have to know the difference between climate and culture here because problems and situations can come and go, and some problems have to do with climate while other problems have to do with something bigger, and that is company culture. So let's talk about the difference. Climate, I want you to think about the weather you're probably experiencing right now. One day you got your coat and your snow boots on, and the next day you're wearing flip-flops and shorts. It's just take it day by day. That's climate. One day can feel like winter. One day can feel like summer. One situation can come and make it stressful for a little bit, for a season, and the next day can come and things are great again. That's climate. It adjusts day to day. The culture is going to be what lingers, what stays. Culture is the belief systems or the values. Or in other words, a constant tendency of how we do things here or how we feel about things here, or how we talk about things here, or (laughs) the level at which we work here. That's culture. So have you ever taken or been given the results of an organizational health instrument, also known as an OHI? Typically, whenever you see the results of an OHI, it breaks your staff into thirds. You have a top third. They're gonna be your early adopters, the ones that love coming to work and enjoy the job. You're gonna have your bottom third that are your negative, find all the problems with the work kind of people. And then you're gonna have that middle third. The super important middle third is the way you can really learn about your culture and which way it's leaning. Where is your middle third? Are they closer to the top third? Or are they closer to the bottom third? Now the closer they are to the bottom third, that's a huge indicator on a negative culture within your organization. If you work, let's talk about you for a second. If you work within a negative culture in your organization, first of all, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your day-to-day suffering, my friend. I really am. But on the other hand, I'm going to call you to step into leadership for such a time as this. You need to become a culture warrior. When people complain about a problem, jump in the conversation and ask them, hey, what's your idea for a solution? Become a great tidal wave of positive vibes and energy or a light that people want to follow. As Gandhi would say, be the change you want to see in the world. Your positive energy can and will shift the culture in your circle. All right, so that's if you are struggling. Now, this is a leadership podcast, so if you're the leader, then you need to assess how bad the current uh, culture situation is by reflecting on whether or not you've provided clarity on the core values and beliefs your team should have and should rally around. Now, if there's no target for what a positive culture looks like in your organization, then how in the Sam Hill are you and the people that you work with going to work towards that? You have no target. So if you have no target for what a positive culture looks like, work with your employees to create one. If you have one, but let's say you're not really paying attention to it, you know, got it slapped up on a poster, but nobody looks at it and nobody really works towards it, then you, my friend, have an accountability problem. And it's all your fault. (laughs) Small negative infractions and the sweeping of those under the rug are like termites eating away at your wooden foundation. If you don't address and have crucial conversations for cultural offenses, 
you know, what we believe, how we do, how we work, how we talk to each other, then you need to hand over your leadership badge right now because I'm revoking it. Your job as a leader is to focus on the people and people come with all kinds of baggage to deal with. That's leadership. Now, I absolutely adore what Brene Brown says in her book, Dare to Lead. Leaders must either invest in a reasonable amount of time attending to fears and feelings or squander an unreasonable amount of time trying to manage ineffective and unproductive behavior. Mark my words. If you don't invest in your team culture and be intentional in removing negativity and fear and replacing it with hope and a target, then you will spend all of your time managing ineffective and unproductive behavior that will lead to a negative culture and it's going to lead to all the good ones, your top and your middle thirds, resigning. Okay, root cause number three on why people are burned out and leaving their jobs. It could be a lack of clarity about what is essential or most important within the job. Have you ever heard the phrase, just because you can doesn't mean you should? Or it's okay to put down what's good to pick up what's best? Or what about the phrase, if everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority? There's a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 4, that I just love. It talks about constantly toiling for achievement to essentially keep up with everyone else or what is popular. And it compares that toil to chasing after the wind. So here's the verse, quote, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too, meaningless, a chasing after the wind, end quote. Phrases like these reinforce focusing on choosing the most important priorities out of the limitless list of opportunities that are available to you. With such a high-tech, social media idea-sharing, connected world, we are exposed to a limitless amount of ideas for what we could be doing with our time and talents on the job. But when one is exposed to a plethora of good ideas, it becomes increasingly hard to discern priorities for what is the best idea. And the end result is that people and companies are going to try to do too many good things without having the clarity of what is best and the resources to accomplish all those good things they're trying to do. When people are focused on everything right now, (laughs) because it is popular right now, they are going to operate at their highest point of frustration. Frustration equals stress. Constant stress leads to burnout. So what do you do if you have people leaving because of this? They're just, you know, I don't even know what I'm working on anymore. There's no priority. I'm burned out. I'm leaving. What do you do? The solution is you provide clarity about what is most essential. To avoid burnout among our employees and our places of employment, we have to do a better job of providing clarity on what is essential or most important. Now, my absolute favorite explanation of essentialism comes from Greg McKeon in his own book by the same title. And he says, I quote, essentialism is not about how to get more things done. It's about how to get the right things done. It doesn't mean just doing less for the sake of less either. It is about making the wisest possible investment of your time and energy in order to operate at our highest point of contribution by doing only what is essential. As McKeon says in the book, 
we make our highest point of contribution when we focus on what is essential. That means focusing on the right thing at the right time for the right reason. Now ask any employee, and I bet they can easily tell you a laundry list of frustrations of time wasted on things at work that keep them from what they feel are the most important or essential elements of what they do on a daily basis. Instead, their time, talents, and resources are wasted on things that don't add value to their purpose of making a positive impact. (laughs) All right, however, we can't just blame our organizations and companies for not knowing or communicating what is essential because people in general really struggle to focus on what is essential to begin with. Now, in his follow-up book, Effortless, McKeon explains that, quote, our culture glorifies burnout as a measure of success and self-worth. The implicit message is that if we aren't perpetually exhausted, we must not be doing enough, end quote. He goes on to say that burnout is not a badge of honor. We also have a problem with the glorification of just wearing ourselves out as a way to wear the badge of selflessness. But like he said, burnout is not a badge of honor. So we have to stop glorifying it as one. So while our companies need to provide clarity on what is essential and what needs to be focused on, we as a working population have to instill healthy boundaries with our work so that we can focus on what is essential beyond our job. And that includes things like our faith, our families, and our health. Okay, root cause number four on why people are struggling with burnout at work and leaving their places of work. The fourth reason is a lack of leadership support. Employees are also experiencing a lack of leadership in their workplace. People people tend to work for a no backbone, no vision, CYA, crap rolls down the hill, sorry but we're all stressed, lack of communication and support kind of manager. Not leaders, managers. Managers that focus on the task at hand more than supporting the people who actually accomplish the task. People are lacking leaders that provide clear expectations, support professional growth, hold people accountable, and protect their employees' time to do the work well. A lack of leadership is allowing people to reach the point of burnout in their places of employment, and they're leaving because of it. So just to make sure you understand this fourth one, if the majority of people work jobs that require mental work over physical work, and then the work is in a stressful environment where the demands are greater than the resources to fulfill it, and there's a serious lack of leadership and support, is it really any wonder why people are leaving their workplaces in droves, especially when it's an an employee's market where they can go find another job easily? So what are we going to do about this fourth cause, right? A lack of leadership support. And that is why I'm adamant about this podcast. You've got to have leadership on the rocks. We need strong leadership. Leaders need to be like the Spartan soldiers and their shields when it comes to new demands on their employees. Now, if you've seen the movie 300 with Gerard Butler, then you can picture the scene of how all the shields of all the Spartan warriors are coming together to protect the soldiers underneath from all those arrows and spears being hurled their way. 
As leaders, we need to shield our people from unnecessary stresses or demands of their time and attention while supporting and nourishing their growth and development. Brene Brown says it best to explain this leadership paradox, if you will, in her book, Braving the Wilderness. As leaders, you need to have a soft front, a strong back, and a wild heart. There are so many good ideas that are going to come down the pipeline that sound reasonable. But in the big scheme of things, is it what's essential? Are they necessary? Do they move the needle forward? If the answer is not a hell yes, then it needs to be no. As a leader, it is your job to head off the distraction, ridiculousness that can attack your organization. An easy example for every leader is to limit the amount of time your employees waste. They waste in useless meetings. Yeah, you heard me right. So many of your employees waste so much time in useless meetings. Ensure that every meeting your employee is expected to attend has a purpose tied to something essential. If you look at the money, time, and energy each meeting costs the company versus the return on investment from that outcome of the meeting, then I bet you would cancel a lot of meetings. Ensure that every meeting has a purpose, an agenda, and that employees can prepare to discuss ideas or make a decision. If you're the one in charge of scheduling the meeting, then you need to ask yourself, how much is this meeting really going to cost the company with time and resources used? The answer is probably a lot. And if the answer is a lot and there's not a good return on investment, cancel the meeting. Beyond just wasted time and resources with useless meetings that have no return on investment, we also, as leaders, need to stop emailing and texting our employees at night and on the weekends. Why? <laughs> because we're setting the precedent that if the boss works nights and weekends, employees should too. That's not okay. It's not okay to always be tethered to work. You're leading your employees to higher levels of stress and burnout, and they can therefore slide down that slippery slope to where now you have a really high attrition rate. As the leader, you are the one that sets the precedent and the example of what a healthy, harmonious life looks like between work and home. Do not email or text your employees during the night or on the weekends. Another aspect of leadership support is empowering the people that you work with. Not over, with. Remember that. You need to empower them to help build and refine the current systems and processes within your organization. They're the ones that do the work. They have ideas on how to make it better. When you support them in problem solving and you make them uh, feel safe to be able to share those ideas and you don't just run over them, they're going to feel supported. Again, I've said this in previous podcasts. People don't leave companies. They usually leave managers. So if they like you, they are willing to stay and work for you. So make sure that you're empowering them, building relationships with them, building trust, and you're supporting them when times get hard. And yes, you need to stand in the way of everything that is trying to steal their time, their resources, their joy at work. Fight to protect that. Fight to protect their why their heart, and their how. Like we said at the beginning of the podcast, our work is different these days. It's way more mental. And we're always tethered to work now. 
We always have our phones. We're always available. With all the pressures, no wonder we have a higher rate of stress, burnout, anxiety, depression. All of these things are taking a toll on our bodies because we're out of harmony. We don't take time off from work to be present with our families, to be present in nature or in the moment. We're always thinking about work. We're always working. We're always checking email. We're always checking texts. This is not okay. And so as you think about how do we extinguish burnout, you, one, have to prepare your organization, your team, or just your home and your own mind with healthy boundaries against the things that are attacking it. So let's recap real quickly some of the root causes looking at an organization of why people are reaching the point of burnout and therefore leaving their companies. Cause number one, having unmet expectations. Cause number two, a negative work culture. Cause number three, a lack of clarity about what is most essential. And cause number four, a lack of true leadership and support. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you got some nuggets of wisdom out of it. And if you are struggling with burnout or you see employees struggling with burnout, know that there is hope. You don't have to stay in that state of chaos where you just can't even, you just can't get out of bed. You just can't make it to work. There is hope and you can extinguish burnout. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. Hey, it's Bethany again. If you're enjoying the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Also, if you feel like this podcast is helpful, will you do me a favor and share it with your friends, family, coworkers, or anybody else who's trying to grow in leadership, but also wants that harmony between work and home? Thanks, and I'll see you next week. And remember, the most important rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.